with God or we're filled with ourselves, aren't we? And we need to be filled with God and His power and His Spirit because without Him we can't do anything, the Bible says, but with Him we can do all things that He wants us to do. All right. Well, thank you for coming on this Tuesday night. Thank you for bringing the kids, the grandkids. Tomorrow night now is, is Wednesday. Bring the kids and the teenagers. You Sunday school teachers, call your class and encourage them to be here tomorrow night for the time at 6, and then all of us in here at 7. Now, don't you skip out on at 7 o'clock thinking that's just for the younger people. It's not. What happens at 6 is for them. What happens in here is for everybody. And so I hope you'll keep that in mind. Well, turn in your Bibles to the book of Ezra, chapter 3. Now, the easiest way to find that is to go to Psalms and back up. E-Z-R-A is the book, Ezra, chapter 3. I want to speak to you on the subject, how to make a new start. A man was driving through a small mountain town, and he screeched to a halt and asked an old-timer, What time is it? The old-timer said, 12 o'clock. The fellow driving the cars who stopped said, are you sure? I thought it was later than that. The old timer said, no, it never gets later than that around here because when it gets to 12, we just start all over. Well, one of the nice things about the Christian life, one of the nice things about life is God lets us start all over. He lets us make a new start. He welcomes that. Sometimes, we as Christians just need to make a new start with the Lord. Sometimes churches just need to make a new start. Of course, those who have never given their lives to Christ, they need to do that so they can make a new start with God, don't they? Well, here in Ezra chapter 3, the Jews were back in their homeland after having spent many years in captivity for their sins. And they're back there making a new start. And we see from these verses some of the things that are involved when we make a new start for the Lord. Do you want to make a new start with God? I hope you do because, again, all of us need it every once in a while. We just need those times to regroup, to refocus, and uh, launch out in a fresh way. Well, this doesn't mean as Christians that we got lost somehow and need to be saved again. It just simply means we just need to make a new start. Well, again, if you've never surrendered to Christ, that's the first thing you need to do because you can't go with God unless you've got God with you <laughs> so you can go with Him. Well, let's talk about it. You want to make a new start? Number one, repair what is broken. Look at verse 1 and verse 2 in Ezra chapter 3. And when the seventh month was come and the children of Israel were in their cities, the people gathered themselves together as one man to Jerusalem. That means in unity to Jerusalem. And then stood up Jeshua the son of Jozadak and his brother and the priest and Jerubbabel the son of Shealtiel and his brethren. Notice this. And they built the altar of the God of Israel to offer burnt offerings thereupon as it is written in the law of Moses, the man of God. Over a light lunch, a lady said to a friend of hers, I have finally gotten in touch with my inner self. And she is just as confused as I am. The Jews were confused because they had been allowed to be carried off 
into captivity by a nation they considered worse sinners than them. But now they're back in their homeland. And God is allowing them to make a new start. And we see where they repair their altar. Their disillusionment has been real, but that's now behind them since they're back home. And it's a matter of first things first. And the first thing they need to do is restart their worship by repairing their broken altar. So they come together in agreement as one man to do this. They could not have a temple yet, but they could have a rebuilt altar. You know, there are sometimes things that we notice that need to be repaired. I heard about a politician who came in from making speeches all day, and his wife asked him that evening how the speeches had gone, and he said, well, I'm not sure. She said, what do you mean? He says, I'm afraid some of the people did not understand some of the things I was talking about. She said, what makes you think that? He said, I don't think I understood some of these things either. Well, we know there is much broken in politics that, that needs to be repaired. You ever had something break in your house and you tried to fix it? You finally gave up and called the repairman and when he got there, he gave you that, he gave you that lecture, why didn't you call me first? <laughs> and that can be humiliating, can it? Though we may not be able to fix all that's broken in politics or in things around the house, we can, with God's help, repair what is broken in our lives spiritually. Do you need something repaired in your life spiritually? Maybe you need the joy of your salvation repaired. <laughs> Maybe you've lost that joy. Listen, you don't have to look like you've fallen out of the back end of, of a funeral coach to be a Christian. And that's the way a lot of people look. You know, we're the salt of the earth, but this earth needs a little pep too. So we need to be the pepper of the earth as well. And Jesus can give you the joy of your salvation back. And he can fix what's broken in your life that has caused you to lose that joy. Oh, I know we all go through at times, momentary periods where we get down or maybe something bad happens and we struggle and wrestle with that. And, and I, I know that, but so many people, though, they just go day after day, month after month, year after year, and there's no victory, there's no joy. Listen, God does not want us to live like that. And again, maybe you just need to let the Lord repair some things that are broken in your life spiritually. And again, if you've never been saved, you need to let the Lord repair you from the ground up. <laughs> you need to let the Lord make a new person out of you. You need to be born again spiritually well that's the first thing you want to make a new start with the lord repair what is broken you know sometimes churches need to do that they just need to repair some things that are broken in their church so they can make a new start as a church so they can have a greater impact on their community well let's move on there's the second thing you want to make a new start with the lord be courageous look at verse three and they set the altar upon its base and fear was upon them because of the people of those countries, and, and they offered burnt offerings thereon unto the Lord, even burnt offerings, morning and evening. In Memphis, where I'm from, a man by the name of Foster Walker strode into a store that was being held up. I've been there and been in that situation. I had the gun pointed at me like the robber pointed it at this man, Foster Walker. But you know what he said to that would-be robber? He said, you just go ahead and shoot. 
I've read my Bible and I've said my prayers and I'm ready to go. <laughs> now that's courage, isn't it? I didn't say that to that guy who pointed his gun at me. Well, anyway, the story says that Robert was dumbfounded and just walked away. Did you notice here, as the Israelites were starting their public worship, the Bible says there were enemies all around. These people from these other countries, you know, had moved in and had settled in the land that the Israelites had vacated when they had gone off into captivity. And now these new people who are not Jews, who oppose the Jews and their God, they don't like the fact that these Jews have come back home. I want you to know when you're attempting to make a new start, you're going to face enemies. You're going to face spiritual enemies. You're going to face enemies in, in principalities, the Bible talks, in high places. You're going to face evil forces that don't like you attempting to make a new start. You're going to face human enemies because misery loves company. And sometimes people, when they see us make a new start with the Lord, they're intimidated by that, and they try to pull us down to their level. You see, we don't need to let enemies, we don't need to let people cause us to not go on with God. You see, we, like the Israelites, can, can make a new start with God as our help. We can have courage. We can pray for God to give us the courage to go forward with Jesus, no matter what's going on around us. And, and listen, the way our country's going, we're going to have increasing numbers of enemies around out here who don't like us and our Bible and our churches. I mean, you know what's going on out there. And it's just going to get worse unless we have a national awakening and revival. Are you afraid to become a Christian, a follower of Christ? Don't be afraid. You can be saved. And you can make it as a Christian. Are you afraid of backsliding? Don't be afraid of that. You can go with God. Don't let any kind of fear of anything hinder you from making a new start with Christ. A soldier who was lame in one foot years ago in a foreign nation, army, was being laughed at by the other soldiers because he was lame. He said, I didn't join this army to run. You know, you need two good feet to run. He said, I joined this army to fight. You can stand your ground and fight even if you can't retreat. <laughs> In fact, the motto of the French Foreign Legion was, if I falter, push me on. If I stumble, pick me up. If I retreat, shoot me. Every time I hear the name French Foreign Legion, I think of Law and Hardy. <laughs> Any of you ever seen that one where they, they joined the French Foreign Legion? Well, anyway. Friend, nobody's going to shoot you. <laughs> if you don't know what Lauren Hardy is, <laughs> you need to ask some of us who are over a certain age. <laughs> hey, there's not many men my age who can run <laughs> two and a half miles or three miles in 30 minutes, I'm telling you that. But we've worked at it all these years. Don't you start that now. If you, <laughs> you'll die of a heart attack. <laughs> you got to work up to it. And it's taken me a long time. Anyway, <laughs> courage, courage. Oh, that's lacking in our society today, isn't it? Courage to stand for Christ at work. Courage to be a bold Christian student in school. Courage to live right at home. <laughs> what we profess at church. Courage. 
to stand up out there with all these forces against us and not cave in to it and not surrender to the politically correct crowd. Well, let's move on. There's a third thing. Number three, establish spiritual disciplines. Look at verses four and five. They kept also the Feast of Tabernacles as it is written and offered the daily burnt offerings by numbers according to the custom as the duty of every day required. And afterwards offered the continual burnt offering both of the new moons and of the set feasts of the Lord that were consecrated and of everyone that willingly offered a free will offering unto the Lord. I'll explain this in a minute. A little boy was talking to a girl next door he was talking to her about what he might get his mother for a Mother's Day present. He didn't have a lot of money, just his allowance money he had saved up and maybe earned a little extra from some odd jobs helping people out. She said, well, I'll tell you, here's what you ought to give her, and it won't cost you anything. You ought to get a sheet of paper and write on that paper some promises to your mother. Promises like, I'll come when you call me for supper. I'll make my bed up in the morning. I'll go to, I'll go to bed on time at night. I'll brush my teeth after every meal. He finally stopped her and said, no, I need something more practical. <laughs> well, he knew he wasn't going to be disciplined to do all that. Well, if we're going to make a new start, we're going to have to establish spiritual discipline. Notice the Israelites began, began keeping their feast, their offerings, their sacrifices. These were acts of worship that declared their commitment and dedication to God, but we see where they got organized. Did you catch that drift in those two verses? They sort of got organized in all this worship that they were now giving to the Lord. They just were not doing it haphazardly when they didn't have anything else to do. You know, that's the way so many people are. They only show up at church if nothing else comes up or if, you know, you know what I'm talking about. I mean, there's no discipline to them. See, they were establishing spiritual disciplines so their new start with God back in their homeland would not be aborted. Your spiritual disciplines today will govern your life tomorrow and you'll never become spiritually disciplined by sitting down and wishing to become so. You got to get at it. You got to work at it. You got to get organized. You got you to set aside time to do what you've done tonight and just make it a priority which you've done tonight. Keep it up. <laughs> you got to discipline yourself to read the Bible a little bit every day and to talk to the Lord. And it, and it helps to have an accountability partner, if, if I can be frank with you. Somebody who will hold you accountable, somebody you can share these disciplines with. You've heard me say yesterday, my wife and I, we, we pray a lot together. That, you see, that's a discipline. We do it together. A lot of times, if you're just trying to do a lot of things by yourself, you can let your mind drift. You can find something else to do. Again, we hold each other accountable with our running. We, you know, we get up every day. Both of us know we got to go do it, you know, even if we don't want to. And hey, it's better than heart surgery, which was which was what my father had when he was before my age. Runs in my family. I'm doing my best to avoid that. And that's that to me. That's a worse. <laughs> that's something worse than than what I'm trying to do. You see, it helps to be disciplined. You know, being disciplined certainly helps us in our Christian lives. It helps in any area of life, as I've just said. For example, a businessman I read about was very successful. 
Somebody asked him the secret of his, his success. He said, well, I've read well in my field, and I have learned a lot. They said, where in the world did you find time to read? He said, I always have a book with me. Always. He said, when I get interrupted, interrupted when life's interruptions come, whether it's a, a stalled traffic or a putting on hold by somebody on the phone or whatever, he said, I pull my book out and I do a little reading during that interruption. Then he said, over the years, with all the interruptions of life, I've been able to do a lot of reading in my field. Listen, if being disciplined can help a businessman excel in business, it can help a Christian excel in the Christian life. You've heard the statement, the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, so are his stops. Now, when we get disciplined, we learn there are some things we need to stop as well as to start. Because again, I've seen, me, I've seen people make such wonderful starts and step forward, but they didn't stop they didn't stop some things. And as a result, soon their step forward stopped. <laughs> and they, they stopped their new start, and therefore they lost the progress and the momentum they had. They didn't just get discipline, you see, to look at their lives, to take inventory, and to make some things, to make some adjustments. Again, the Christian life is not just where you get up every day, well, what? You know, whatever happens, happens. That's not how you make a new start with the Lord. You've got to be disciplined. And then number four, start where you are. Verse 6, from the first day of the seventh month, they began to offer burnt offerings unto the Lord. Now notice this, but the foundation of the Lord was not yet laid. A group of deer hunters outfitted in their colorful coats and equipped with their high-priced firearms as they walked into the woods, saw a small boy with nothing but a slingshot. They got amused at this little boy out there in the woods, and they said, Honey, they said, Sonny, what are you hunting for? The little boy said, I don't know. I ain't seen it yet. Well, he was going to start where he was with what he had. Notice that though the foundation of the temple was not yet laid, they were offering their offerings. They were restarting their worship with what they had, and that was a rebuilt altar. Now, they could have sat around and said, we'll wait to restart our worship for God and until, we'll wait until we get the temple built. No, they started where they were with what they had. While aiming to do more later, they were doing what they could with what they had. The smallest intention is always better than the greatest intention. You see, so many are always just sitting around saying, well, I've got to get this straightened out first, and then I'll get saved. I've got to get this settled first, and then I'll join the church. I've got to do this first, and then I'll teach that class or do that ministry. It's always something taking priority, something being put off, some spiritual activity being put off because something else has come up. And you'll never make a new start like that. You've just got to start where you are with what you have. Did you know when Columbus started his voyage, he did not know where he was going. When he got here to the Americas, he did not know where he, where he was. And when he got home, he did not know where he had been. In fact, he thought he had reached India because that's, that's why he called the Native Americans Indians. I have some good news for you. When we make our new start with the Lord, we know where we're going and we know with whom we're going. 
I mean, we know we're just pilgrims passing through this life, headed to another land, don't we? But in the meantime, while we're in this life, we've got God and His people to walk with us as we make our new start for Him. Amen. Well, you need to be saved. You need to be saved tonight. Start where you are. In fact, start where you are at the invitation time where you'll be standing and come and meet the pastor and say, Pastor, I will be saved tonight. If you need to join the church, start where you'll be standing. Start where you are and come forward and join the church. If you need to request an appointment for baptism, start where you are and come forward. If you need to come and renew your devotion to the Lord as a Christian, start where you are and step out and come forward. If you need, if you need to come make another decision or if you're willing to come and pray, as some of you have been willing to do each night, start where you are and come and do that. Start where you are. In fact, what is our favorite invitation here? Just as I am. That's the point. We start where we are just as we are. I bet you've heard it a thousand times, haven't you, Pastor? Well, I've got to get this done first. I've got to get that straightened out. And then I'll do whatever they, they need to do spiritually. Don't you be like that tonight. And then number five. Know your priorities. I've already mentioned this word, but let's camp out on it for just a second. Look at verse 7. They gave money also to the masons and to the carpenters and meat and drink and oil unto them of Zidon and to them of Tyre. Those were the people who were going to help them rebuild their temple by supplying materials. To bring cedar trees from Lebanon to the Sea of Joppa according to the grant they had of Cyrus, king of Persia. And of course, he's that one who had let them go back home and now he's going to help them rebuild their worship. And of course, he knew a peaceful, satisfied nation would be less of a threat to him and his empire. And that's why he's being nice to them. But again, know your priorities. A young boy came in to his house covered with mud after having had a time out playing with friends. And his mother was not in the immediate room he walked into, so he realizing she was in the back of the house, he hollered out to her. He said, Mama... He said, if I fell out of a tree, would you rather I tore my pants or broke my leg? She hollered back, well, of course I had rather you tore your pants than broke your leg. He said, I have some good news for you. That's exactly what's happened to me. <laughs> now, he wanted to make sure his mother's priorities were right before she saw his muddy, torn-up pants, didn't he? Do you notice the Israelites had their priorities right? They've already rebuilt their altar. That's one thing they could do. They've already restarted their worship. Now we see them getting things prepared so they can rebuild their temple. Their priorities are in order, aren't they? How are your priorities? Are they in line? Are they in order? Well, let's just start with the basics. Have you made it a priority to be saved from your sins, to let Jesus Christ come into your heart and life? If you haven't, you need to make that a priority tonight before you leave this room. If you've been saved but have never made it public, would you make it a priority tonight to come forward and share with a pastor that before you leave? If you need believer's baptism, would you make a priority to come tonight and say, Pastor, I need that, let's set an appointment. If you need a church home, would you make it a priority tonight to come and, and share that with a pastor? If you need to renew your devotion to the Lord, again, would you make it a priority to come? You know, so many times, the urgent crowds out the important. And there is nothing more important than making a new start with the Lord. 
In fact, if you don't live by your priorities, you will begin to live by your pressures. And the pressures of life will always cause you to neglect your priorities. Because there's always going to be pressures in life that will try to take over and make you push back to the back your priorities. And that will include spiritual priorities. You'll begin to neglect them. And so many are doing that. Listen, I don't know how many people I know who at one time were active in church, but no more. At one time, that was a priority in their life, but no more. And you say, I hope you never wind up like them. And you won't if you'll continue to make the gathering of the people of God a priority in your life. Friend, it just does us good to assemble like this. It just does. I mean, if we didn't do anything but come in here for an hour and sit down and talk to each other and just look at each other, we would not have wasted our time. There's just something about being together as the family of God that encourages us. And boy, we, we're going to need this more as this world out here gets worse. We really are. You put first things first, you'll get second things thrown in. But if you put second things first, you'll soon lose both first and second things. You don't lose when you do life God's way. You don't lose. But you're going to lose big time, and especially in eternity, if you don't do life God's way, and that, that way is to first of all be saved, to make a new start with the Lord, and then to go with Him one day at a time, one step at a time. Well, I ask you tonight, do you need to make a new start? First of all, believe you can. Believe you can. And then, number one, repair what is broken in your life. If you've never been saved, you're broken by sin, and let Jesus fix you from the ground up. He can do it. But if you are saved... Let God help you tonight repair what is broken in your life. And one of the things we need to help you do that is God's church. And if you're not a member here, you ought to be, so these people can help you. Number two, be courageous. It's going to take courage in this kind of world to go with God. So be courageous. If one can be courageous, all of us can. We have the same God who, have, who will help us. Number three, establish spiritual disciplines. I cannot emphasize this too much. You'll never do anything until, if you wait till you feel like it. Hey, by the way, you know what I've discovered about feelings? If I will obey God even though I don't feel like it, my feelings will later catch up with my obedience. And I will be glad I did what I did. Do you hear that? My feelings will later catch up with my obedience. So do it whether you feel like it or not. Then number four, start where you are. And where you are is where you find yourself right now in life. And then know your priorities. Get to some and know them. And hold on to them. And live by them. Does this make sense tonight? Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. Every head bowed and every eye closed. No one looking around. Tonight, have you received Christ as your Lord and Savior yet? If not, you can tonight. You know you need to do it. Listen, there's nothing worth going to hell for. I don't care what you say. There's nothing worth going to hell for. Would you come tonight and give your life to Christ? The pastor's waiting on you. The Lord's waiting on you. Any voice you hear in your head telling you not to go tonight, that's not from God. Tonight, are you saved but need a church home? Will you come tonight and get on the team? Do you need believer's baptism? Would you come tonight and request an appointment? Do you need to renew your devotion to the Lord tonight? Would you come and 
let the pastor pray with you about that. You need to make a new start as a Christian. Maybe you just need to come and say, Pastor, I want all five of these things to be more true in my life. I want to make a new start as a Christian. I want our church to make a new start. What a great decision that would be to make tonight. Would you come? Again, with some of you who believe in prayer, would you come down here and pray for people here and not here who need to make a new start in their life with God? Call their name up to the Lord and ask God to get their attention to make a visit to them, to arrange circumstances in their life, to open their eyes, to open their eyes to see the truth. Would you come and pray for them? As I said, while you're down here, pray for America. But listen, if you're not saved tonight, please come. Please come and let us lead you to Christ. And Christian, lead the way forward. If you need to offer to go with somebody, do that. But don't force them. We're just offering them. That's all. It's a privilege to go to the Lord's altar. Again, you prayer warriors, you, you lead the way tonight. You lead the way. You be the first to step out. If anybody's in the middle of a pew, the people on either side of you, they'll be more than happy to let you slip past them. And if you're a guest tonight, you feel free to come too because this invitation is for you as well as those who go to this church. So let's stand with our heads bowed and eyes closed. Let's have a word of prayer. Then we're going to have the invitation. It is the Lord's invitation. Remember that. It is the Lord's invitation. Father, we thank you that you do invite us to go to your altar, to do business with you, to receive something from you, to make a new start with you. So Lord, help us tonight to search our hearts and to make it a priority before we leave this room to go forward and make the decision you want us to make. Help us to do it because we want to please you and we realize it will be what is best for us. In Jesus' name, amen.